We're on this series about legacy, legacy. In week one, we talked about where God is taking us as a church. That number one, God has touched the womb, so to speak, the spiritual womb of our church. And we've been birthing many new members over these past 15 years. And because of it now, the church has the responsibility, according to Isaiah 54, 1 and 2, to make more room in our tent so that God can continue to pour in. And we as a church have to keep that as our main focus, that we're making room. Tell the person next to you, we're making room. We're making room, right? And so as we make room for God to move, as we do that, it's going to take each and every one of us to, to do our individual part. Every person doing their Heart. And when we do in church, you know, across the, the nation, when things like this happen, people might discount what they're able to bring to the table out of fear. We might discount it because you hear the big number. Matt, they heard the big number. We're trying to raise a million dollars above and beyond regular giving in the next 36 months. Everybody has to do their part. And here's the truth of the matter. While that's a really big goal, none of us can do it by ourselves. And everybody said, Amen. None of us can do that by ourselves. But last week, we talked about the idea of sacrifice and how Abraham brought his son to the altar willing to sacrifice him. His very promises that God gave him, he was willing to give it all. And I want to challenge you that where God is taking us as a church is going to demand sacrifice from every single one of us. It's not going to be your firstborn, but it might be the first of every paycheck. It might be a first fruit every week. And for some of you, we've said it every week, and you're going to hear me say a lot of things over because I want to reinforce these things, right? For some of us, that's going to take that you give sacrificially, that you are already a giver, and God's challenging you to give above and beyond that. And then secondly, for many people, that might mean that you have to start at least being obedient and doing the bare minimum because you come every Sunday, but you don't sow into the house of God. And so the Lord is challenging every one of us to sacrifice in order to accomplish where God is calling us to do what he's calling us to do each one of us must choose for a season to live in a place of sacrifice and we defined sacrifice last week as laying down something we love for something that we love more does anybody love the lord this morning has god not been faithful to our church to you as individuals right this coming friday i want you to keep this in prayer our leadership team is gathering this friday In the spirit of 1 Chronicles 28 and 29, the leadership will pledge first on Friday. I want to say that again. The leadership is coming together Friday. And we're going to do what leaders do. And we're going to go before the congregation. And we're going to sow into what God is doing. We're doing two things on Friday and Sunday. I want to reiterate this so that you understand. Because I know you might have questions. And if you do have questions, you can actually email legacy at citywidechurch.us and there's people there ready to answer any questions you may have. But we're doing two things next week. Number one, we're asking every member and regular attendee, regular attendee, I told you last week, if you've eaten six or more bagels here, you're a member. You're a member, right? But every person to number one, bring an initial offering to the Lord for this edifice. It should be a sacrificial offering. And for every person, this is going to be different. Some of you have capacity for tens of thousands. Some of you might have capacity for a few hundred. Here's what God's looking for. He's not looking for equal giving. He's looking for equal sacrifice. I'm going to say that again. because That's good, Josh, right? God's not looking for equal giving. You might not be able to give what the person next to you 
can give. Only you know. But he's looking for equal sacrifice in every member of this house. And then secondly, next week, and you'll get a card at the end of the service. It's going to be a pledge card. And the pledge card looks like this. You're going to receive this after service and bring it back next week as we take our pledge for Pledge Sunday. And you'll be able to tell them what you're giving next Sunday for your initial gift. But then over the next 36 months, a.k.a. three years, what are you, what is God speaking to you about to do in your giving above and beyond your regular giving? And again, for every person, this is different. For some, it might be 25 a week. For some, it might be 100. For every person, it is different. For some, you have great capacity. For some, you have little capacity. But here's the key. Do not limit what God can do through you. Because where God is taking us is bigger than ourselves. And we're sowing into something that is bigger than us. And now here's the thing that we've been doing. We should have been praying for two weeks already. God, what are you saying? Now, I don't know about y'all, but God's been telling me some scary stuff. I'm like, Lord, I don't know if this is you. And then I'm reminded of the thing that the Lord told me years ago. I would, you know, the devil would never tempt you to give. Okay, okay, God, you make a little bit of sense there. But here's what I understand. That what God might be telling you to do as a household, as a family, might be scary. And it's going to take one thing in order to be able to accomplish this. And that's faith. It's going to take some serious faith. I want to talk to you for a few minutes on this topic I've entitled, A House Built by Faith. What can God do through you if you have faith in what he has called you to do? Hebrews 11.1, this isn't my text for today, but I want to read this really quickly. It says that now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For the believer, anybody a believer here today? Faith is a firm conviction of although we can't see it with our eyes, we latch on to the word of God and what he has said. And if God is speaking to us as individuals concerning our pledges, concerning our sacrificial giving, then we have to have an unwavering faith in God in the face of contradicting facts. As scary as that may be. Well, is there a scripture in the Bible that can speak to this? I believe there is. In 1 Kings 17. And I'm going to start reading from verse 8. And this is talking about the prophet Elijah. Then the Lord, the word of the Lord came to him. Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded, somebody say commanded, a widow there to feed you. So he arose and went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, behold, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, bring me a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to bring it, he called to her and said, bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. He's pushing his luck here. And she said, as the Lord your God lives, I have nothing baked, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. And now I am gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. Super dramatic. It's okay. And Elijah said to her, do not fear. Go and do as you have said, but first make me a little cake of it and bring it to me. And afterward, make something for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, 
The jar of flour shall not be spent, and the jug of oil shall not be empty until the day that the Lord sends the rain upon the earth. And she went and did as Elijah said, and she and her and her household ate for many days. The jar of flour was not spent, neither did the jug of oil become empty, according to the word of the Lord that he spoke by Elijah. Come on, let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word. Lord, some of us in this room today might need an ignition of faith in our hearts today to be able to follow what you have told us to do. And so would you speak to our spiritual ears and give us understanding in this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Come on, the church says amen. In this passage of scripture, we come across the familiar story of Elijah and the widow at Zarephath. This story today uh, can illustrate to us what the Lord is asking many of us to do over these next 36 months. Now, prior to these verses, Elijah, the prophet, he kind of shows up on the scene of Israel out of nowhere. And he goes to this wicked king whose name is Ahab, who's married Jezebel. And he goes to him and says, hey, listen, because you haven't listened to the word of the Lord and you're doing all this Baal worship, here's what the Lord says. There will be no rain until I say so. Now, that might not be the biggest deal to y'all right now, but Back in the days of the Bible, they did not have the complex irrigation systems we have now. They couldn't just grab water from five states away. There was nothing available for them to be able to do. And so a drought and no rain would mean that all the food would die, that the animals would die, and that people would be suffering because there would be no provision in Israel. And true to his word, Israel had no rain for nearly three and a half years years. This was catastrophic to the region, right? This was a huge and big deal. There was no crops, no food, animals were dying, and even Elijah the prophet had to go to certain places to be able to be miraculously supplied by the Lord with food. Prior to going to the widow, he was at the brook Cherith where the Lord had a little bit of water coming for him, and he would bring him food by ravens. Ravens would come and collect food for Elijah. And so God has been miraculously providing for Elijah. But then the word of the Lord came to Elijah because the brook has dried up and the food stopped coming from the birds. And God's instructions to Elijah was this, I have commanded a widow in Zarephath to provide for you. I want you to go to Zarephath. And I want to stop here for a moment to tell each of you that the brook at Howard Ave is drying up. I want to challenge you that the brook here is drying up. The provision of God continuing to send, it's not drying up in the sense of souls, but we have maximized our capacity and the word of the Lord has come to us and either we respond to the word of the Lord or we respond in fear. Now, why would Elijah respond in fear? Because I bet you the brook was comfortable. He's by himself out there. Nobody bothering him. Dirty birds come and bringing him food. A little bit of water trickle. I got everything that I need. But the Bible says the Lord called him to go to Zarephath because there was a widow that God had commanded. This to me is crazy because a widow was most often in the times of the Bible the most impoverished, 
marginalized and mistreated portion of the community of Israel. Let alone Elijah being told to go outside of Israel, where women were even thought of as less, and he's told to go to Zarephath, which is actually in the kingdom of Jezebel's father. And so God's taking Elijah outside of Israel for provision. He's taking him outside of his comfort zone to a woman who kind of economically and by the standard of the time could not provide for Elijah. Can I tell you that when God often desires to do some great work in the kingdom or in the earth, he does not look to the rich. He goes to the poor. Y'all don't want to hear that today. He doesn't. You look at the New Testament. Jesus looked for the common working person. He found 12 common regular type dudes. He found fishermen who stunk like fish. He found blue collar, hard working type of people. He didn't look for the educated. He didn't look for the best. He didn't look for the eloquent of speech. He went to the poor. And much like that, God is looking to us who we, we may not be poor by earthly standards, but we sure as heck are not the rich. And he's saying to us, I'm going to give you an opportunity to sustain something greater than yourself if you would be invited and come in to this invitation that I have for you. This partnership of provision. This partnership of provision. You see, Elijah had to respond in faith that the word of the Lord was really sending him to a poor widow. Now, if I'm Elijah, because I'm human, this is just me, maybe not y'all, I would have been like, there must be some rich widow in Zarephath. There must be some real rich lady whose husband just died, and she got a lot of scrilla. That's Ebonics for money, right? And she got a lot of paper, and God's going to send me over there because she good, and I am going to be living on, like, living high in the hog. Well, Elijah goes to Zarephath. He's probably really tired from the journey. And he goes and he's, he's there. He's waiting. He's, he's gone there because of faith. Somebody say faith. Here's point number one for you today out of three. Faith agrees with, with, with what God says and what God sees. Faith agrees with what God says and with what God sees. Because by faith, a Abraham acted on it. By faith, we see that Moses acted on God's word. By faith, we see Gideon and all the men of old, they act on God's word, even though with their human eyes, they cannot see what God has said. The vantage point that we have, we can't see it, but God sees it for us. Here's a couple of things you need to know about faith. Number one, faith does not ignore facts. It ignores the power of the facts over your life. Faith does not look at things and say, well, I'm going to be dumb and crazy and just I don't care about what the what the world says. No, no, faith actually views those facts, but it doesn't allow those facts to have power over us. What we're faced with over the next 36 months is going to require faith. Somebody say it with me. Faith. Faith believes beyond what it can see. Faith agrees beyond what it can lay eyes on. Elijah stepped out in faith and went to Zarephath standing on God's word of provision. The same way as a church, we're stepping out, believing God first. Somebody shout provision. provision. This was a test firstly for Elijah. Are you still hearing the word of the Lord? Are you still walking in faith? And so Elijah goes and he finds this widow who is getting sticks together. 
And she's outside, by, probably by the gate, and she's getting some sticks. And back in those days, uh, these towns would have a, a serious culture of hospitality where if you saw a stranger and he asked you for water, it was not uncommon for you to serve that stranger because you wanted to be hospitable to strangers in your community. And so Elijah, he asked her for water. And then he pushes his luck and says, while you're at it, mind you, there's a drought, a famine, and nobody got nothing. He's like, can you get me some bread? Give me a Portuguese roll from Chavez Bakery, a little bit of butter, toasted. Her response is scary. And she said, as the Lord, your God, your God, not my God, your God, she's not Israelite. But she knows who he is. As the Lord, your God, not my God, your God. She's about to encounter his God. Your God lives. I have nothing baked. Only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. And now I am gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. At this point, if I'm Elijah, this is Lewis, not y'all. Y'all have more faith than me probably. I would have been like, wrong widow. (laughs) All right, Lord, I stepped out in faith. Wrong widow. I'll wait for the next one. I'll wait for the next one, God, because this definitely can't be. And here's why. Because the Lord said he had commanded this widow to take care of Elijah. Man, so Elijah says to the widow, would you get me some bread? Her response is, I got nothing. I bring your attention back to verse 9. Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there because I have commanded. Well, what do you do when the person you encounter hasn't received the command God said he gave? What do you, what do, you do when you're in this tension now of either I got the wrong widow, either she can't hear from God like I hear from God, or do I trust that God will send somebody else? What do I do? Maybe he was to be looking for a different widow, a rich widow. Maybe this wasn't her. What would you do if the person that God had said he commanded had not received the command? Verse 13. And Elijah said to her, do not fear. Go and do as you have said. But first, somebody say first. Make me a little cake of it and bring it to me. And afterward, make something for yourself and your son. But thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, the jar of flour shall not be spent and the jug of oil shall not be empty until the day that the Lord sends the rain upon the earth. This is tough. It's bad enough. The widow comes back and says, I'm broke. I ain't got no food. I ain't got no nothing. And I'm about to die after this last meal that I eat. This is really tough because then Elijah's natural response is, oh, don't worry about that. Just give me the food first. I I know, right? But this is how much of us feel when God makes a financial demand on us. See that switch there? It's funny when when it's Elijah, but when it's us, it's like, ooh, God, are you really calling me to give a pledge? Are you really calling me to sow sacrificially? And, 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 And here's what Elijah says. If she hasn't heard the command, I'll give her the command. Elijah gives her the word, of the Lord. I want to remind you that at the threshold of every great move of God, a spirit of fear and a spirit of doubt will try to come and to, and to rip you and to rob you of your faith. See, 
Elijah had faith to show up, but now the widow has to have faith that the Lord will supply her need because she's down to the last of everything. She's down and out. In this season as a church, as we pray and seek as to what we should sow next week and then what we should pledge throughout the months following, I hear the word of the Lord in my life saying, Louis, fear not. I will, I will make all things work. Hear the word of the Lord for your life, for your resources. Fear not. Tell somebody next to you, don't be afraid. Elijah releases the command of the Lord and tells her to make the food for him first. And I want to challenge every person in this room, and if you're watching online, and I want to challenge every single one of you, all the members of this house who have been here, seeing the Lord do great work, I want to tell you something, that you should not be afraid when the Lord calls you to sow. Fear not. He releases the word of the Lord to her and says, put God first. Elijah's saying, put the Lord first. This is now turning from a test of Elijah's faith to a test of the widow's faith. And here's what Elijah says. Here's what God says. If you put him first, that what's left over, it will not run out. I want to challenge you again. Elijah did not ask her for all of her food. He said, take a small portion of it and make something for me first. And then go and eat with your son what is out of the remaining. And here's what the truth is, that maybe what was going to be left wouldn't be filling for her and her son, but it still would have been a small meal. But Elijah simply said, will you put God first? And my, my admonishment and encouragement to every one of you is we got this big, crazy goal as a church, but each and every one of us have got to put God first as we build a legacy for the next generation of believers to come behind us to be able to walk in what we are enjoying today. Notice that he did not say, give me everything. He just said, put the Lord first. Here's point number two, that God will never request what he cannot replenish. That God will never request of us what he cannot replenish. And I know that that sounds crazy because when we're dealing with numbers, you know, math, first of all, I don't know who invented algebra. There should not be letters inside of math. It should not be, it's as bad as silent letters. Who put that there? Why? Just make, make it make sense. But when you're, you know, when you're writing a budget out, and hopefully you're, you're people who budget, we've taught you this for years, you should be budgeting your resources and making sure you're accounting the cost, living a, a good stewardship life. But sometimes things don't add up. But God is making a request of us Because he wants to replenish what is coming into our lives. I want to challenge you on this. And here's the word of the Lord. He said to the widow, if you put me first, you'll never see lack. Until the rain comes, you will never see lack. Because faith releases unceasing provision. I want to say that again. Faith releases unceasing provisions. Either you're going to respond next Sunday in faith, or you're going to respond in fear. What does faith say? And then some of us are going to be living in unceasing provision, whether it's health, resources, opportunities, or finances, the Lord will bring it because he is faithful. The widow faces this ridiculous request from the prophet to give him food first. The widow is the way that God wants to provide for Elijah. And here's the important thing. Elijah told Ahab this, until I give the word, No rain is coming. 
He didn't say until God says. He said until I say it. And so God's going to honor the word of God from the man of God, but he has to sustain the man of God. And by virtue of sustaining the man of God, Elijah, the widow is sustaining Israel. Because in the future, Elijah would speak the word of the Lord over Israel and release the rain. And so she was, by nature of the, of just the spirituality of the situation, she was actually not sustaining him, she was sustaining Israel. This is bigger than you. You don't know who's going to walk through those doors on Park Ave when we give. You don't know who's going to get saved and touch an entire nation. You don't know who God wants to use. You don't know. Your job is just to react in faith. How many Elijahs will come through our doors? How many prophets and evangelists will come through our doors because of what we do next Sunday? See, God has a promise of provision all throughout Scripture. It's one of his greatest promises. Matthew 6.33 that she gave earlier. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Philippians 4.19. But my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Exodus 23.25. And you shall serve the Lord your God, and he shall bless thy bread and the water, and I will take sickness away from the midst of thee. Psalms 23 verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want... I can go on for days, but be reminded that the provision promises in Scripture. God keeps his word. Verse 15. And she went and did as Elijah said. And she and her household ate for many days. And the jar of flour was not spent. Neither did the jug of oil become empty. According to the word of the Lord that he spoke by Elijah. Her faith activated an unceasing provision. And where she thought there was lack, there ended up being abundance. I want to encourage you that where you think there's lack, there will be abundance out of your obedience to the Lord. And if he has requested it, he will replenish it. What is God asking of you? What's the scary numbers he's given you? Are you going to be obedient or are you going to act in fear? This is the season for us as the church to determine where we will go from here. And don't think that everybody will do it. So that you don't have to. When Israel went to the promised land and we're entering a promised place, when they sent 12 spies in, only two thought they could take it. If you're going to come on Saturday with some no hope, don't come. We're going to spy out the land on Saturday. We're going to spy it out. But it's going to take eyes of faith to see what God has. So God provides for the widow, and they live happily ever after. That's the end of the story, right? Well, for a novice preacher, it might be. But the story goes on. Verse 17, and after this, the son of that woman, the mistress of the house, became ill. And his illness was so severe that there was no breath left in him. And she said to Elijah, what have you against me, O man of God, that you've come to bring my sin to remembrance and cause the death of my son? And he said to her, give me your son. And took him from her arms and carried him up to the upper chamber where he lodged and laid him on his own bed and cried out to the Lord, O Lord, my God, have you brought calamity even upon the widow with whom I sojourn by killing her son? And then he stretched himself out upon the child three times and cried out to the Lord, O Lord, my God, let this child's life come into him again. And the Lord listened 
to the voice of Elijah. And the life of the child came into him again, and he revived. And Elijah took the child and brought him down from the upper chamber and into the house and delivered him to his mother. And Elijah said, see, your son lives. And the woman said to Elijah, now I know that you're a man of God and that the word of the Lord is in your mouth and it's truth. Can I tell you something, church? I don't believe it's ever about the donations that we give. I don't believe the widow's story was about the food that for Elijah. I don't believe that God sent Elijah there to be sustained. I believe that he was there to sustain her. I believe that God in his infinite wisdom and knowledge, he saw ahead of time. We look at this as the widow donating food to Elijah's need. But we fail to understand the bigger picture at play here. That God's intention was to sustain the next generation of that widow. Because her son would carry on her family. He would carry on her name. He would carry on the legacy of that family. And notice Elijah. Three times he had to lay out over that boy. Just like three years that we are going on this spiritual journey. We might reach times where like, God, I don't know. And we might have to lay out over the Lord. And say, God, I need you to revive this because you made a promise. Can I tell you point number three? This legacy is not about donations. It's about generations. It's about people who God wants to use to bring into the kingdom. It's about sons and daughters coming to know God. It's about souls being saved. It's about lives being restored. It's about marriages being mended. It's bigger than us. It's about pastors being raised up, teachers being raised up, evangelists being raised up, prophets and apostles being raised up in the house of God. It's about children coming to know who Jesus is. It's about a city being transformed. It's about so much more than what you can see. This is not about a donation. It's about generations to come that we have an opportunity in the spirit of God to sow ourselves into another move of God touch to people and tell them it's bigger than you it's bigger than you listen this is not about a building it's not about sticks and bricks it's not about that it's about an opportunity for others to be transformed for others to come to know him has the Lord not been good to us has he not been faithful even though we have not been faithful? Has he not been true even though we've told ourselves lies? Has he not been there when we gave up on him? We're making room for God to do it for others. We're making room for God to change neighborhoods and change communities. We're making room. Because of this woman's faith, God sustained her son. Who's God going to save because we are willing to give? Who's God going to touch because we're willing to sow? The people that you've been praying for who haven't come yet. The best friends you don't even know you need that God's going to send your way. The people who need your mentorship and need your maturity in Christ that you can pour out into them. Because of this woman's faith to trust God at the gate to give him a piece of bread. You're telling me that a, a, a morsel of bread that she gave to Elijah... And then ended up becoming his personal chef for a couple of months. You're telling me that was the very connection she needed for God on this end to save her son? Yes. It was never about the bread. It was about the son that was dead. God foresaw. God foreknew. And so he sends the prophet. 
because this woman's seen enough suffering. She's lost enough already, and he would not dare let her lose her son. And so God, in his mercy, he looks outside of Israel and says, who's worthy? Who can I touch? Who do I care? Who do I love? Here's this widow whose son was going to die. And he looks at it, and he handles the situation. He handles that by bringing in Elijah. What is God going to handle by bringing you to somebody's doorstep? What can God do through you? Come on, would you stand with me? As the prayer team makes their way up. And I want, I want to pray for a number of things today. And you got to be honest and real with yourself today. Can we have a real moment with the Lord? Is that all right? Some of y'all, the rest of y'all are like, nah, maybe not today. If you're here, if you're watching online, there's people standing by to pray with you. I believe Elle is waiting by to pray with anybody who needs prayer. But I want to challenge you this in this moment, okay? Hear me. Hear me, church. There might be people in this room who this is your first time in a long time at church. And the, the thing that you need to do today, the first place you need to be is to give your heart to the Lord and to surrender your life to Christ. And if you know that you're not living right and aligned with God, the most important thing in this church that we care about is your salvation. That you come to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Can I tell you, there is an expiration on every single one of our lives. There is a date set in God's books. You don't know when that may come. And so my encouragement to you is to give your life to Christ and surrender if you haven't already. Secondly, there's some of you in this room who God is talking to you. And, and you are scared. Maybe there's worry in your life about what God is telling you to do next Sunday. And you need some faith. And you need God to come and speak and reaffirm we want to touch and agree with you. You're in this room and maybe none of those are your issues and there's other areas of prayer that you need. We want to pray with you today. And my encouragement to you is this. Do not leave today if you know that you need someone to pray with you for God to activate some faith in your life. And maybe you don't know how that's going to look. Maybe you don't understand how it's going to happen. And maybe you don't even like answering altar calls. But this isn't an altar call. Consider it the Lord inviting you to get a hug from him so that he can touch your life and remind you. This isn't about donations. It's about generations. It's bigger than that. It's bigger than that. It's bigger than what you can see. Would you bow your heads right now? Every head bowed, every eye closed. Now, if that's you, that you need to give your life to Christ, whether online or here in-house, if you're here in-house, I want you to do me a favor. If you know your life isn't in alignment with God, would you lift your hand as high as you possibly can without shame in your life? Thank you. Anybody, come on, just lift your hand. That's you. Thank you. Come on. If you know that your life needs alignment with God, come on. Come on, I see your two hands. Come on. I see your three hands. Come on, if you know it, and saying, Lord, I just need some alignment. I, I want to I invite you. If that was you in that first portion of the prayer call, I want to invite you to step out in faith and meet us at this altar. So come on, if that's you, you raise your hand and you know you, you need Jesus, would you come? Would you come right now? No fear in your game. Come on. You're not ashamed of the Lord. He's going to move in your life. Come on, welcome them as they come. That's right. Come on. Now, if you're here and you just need prayer for faith, you need prayer for the Lord to give you faith. Maybe you're here with a spouse. Maybe you're here with your family. Maybe you're single and you're by yourself. And you're like, I need some faith for God 
to help me because I'm hearing from the Lord, but next week is scaring the daylights out of me. I might call out, Pastor. I want to challenge you to come up for prayer. If you don't know what God's speaking to you, you don't know what God's telling you to give or to pledge next Sunday, we want to touch and agree with you that God can speak to your life. If that's you, when I say a prayer here in a moment, I'll say amen. You come down this center aisle, and we want to touch and agree with you. doesn't matter who you are, where you're from. If you're online, make yourself known that you want prayer, and we will pray with you. Come on, let's bow our heads. Father, we ask you now, speak, move, come. Lord, give us bigger vision than we can imagine. Show us the bigger picture that's beyond ourselves, that's bigger than us, that is all about you. Help us to see it by your spirit, O oh God. Lord, if any among us need prayer, would you send them so that we can activate faith in Jesus' name to the glory of the Father. We pray this in your name, Jesus.